Welcome to the No Risk Sports Performance Podcast, where we discuss all things sports performance, from training to nutrition and recovery to individual and team victories on and off the field. I'm your host, Judah Boulay, owner of No Risk Sports Performance in Lincoln, Rhode Island. I'm ready to roll, so let's do this. So, welcome guys. Um, today on the No Risk Sports Performance Podcast, we have James Luhan. James is a sports performance coach. He's the owner of Excel Performance in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Um, recently moving there from owning the same company in Seattle, Washington. Um, James is one of uh, a friend and fellow mentee of Lee Taft, where James has taken a very unique approach to Lee Taft's reactive tier system, and he implements it towards game situations. So, James, I'm going to have you introduce yourself and we'll take things from there. Sounds good, man. Appreciate you having me on. Uh, like Judah said, my name is James, owner of Excel Performance. A uh, little bit of background on me, guys, is did five years Navy, and that really set the tone to me getting into um, athletics and really starting to, to work out and do that type of stuff. It started out with body weight, went into CrossFit because that first started coming out when, when I got in. And it just evolved over time to bodybuilding, powerlifting, which led me eventually into athletes. And that's when I really found my passion for it. I started interning with a couple colleges and they, they showed me that you can train at a high level and train smartly versus like the big box gyms. And um, there's just a different avenue with it. So from there, I uh, started uh, working with uh, more of the Seattle Storm type thing. Um, mentor of mine got me in touch with them. So it led to a position with them. And working under Emily Blurton, I definitely learned a lot from her as far as like the recovery side of things. Because I don't know about you, Judah, if you know, like the professional side of things, but they are constantly playing games constantly on the road. And there's no real off season for them. So that was an eye opener for me as well to, to maintain the strength and the performance that we had, and really start to dial that in and microdose that type of thing. Now the storm soccer, correct? Uh, that's the WNBA. Oh, W I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Sorry. Um, I, I, unfortunately the, the sports that I follow are not the, the are is like us, the MLS, the premier league for um, soccer in the UK and then the premiership for rugby in the UK. So like, those are my sports. I'm totally, you know, like ask me American sports. Like I might know some of the major teams. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't know and follow enough American sports to have much say or understanding of any teams or players these days. Back when I was younger, I did, but it's long gone. Speaking of rugby, man, um, I had a chance to watch uh, Chris Toomes and the Seattle Seawolves, just the rugby team over yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they are monsters, man. I did not <laughs> realize the not only like the power, but the the whole explosiveness of how actually strong they were for someone smaller than me. And they were throwing up all kinds of weight, man. It was it was intense. Yeah, it's crazy. The uh, the the Major League Rugby in the United States. It's a new organization and some of the players that they're getting it's you know i think rugby players are some of the most all-around well-conditioned athletes um based upon the demands of the game um as well as the aerobic not only do you have to be strong and powerful but you also have to have aerobic conditioning because 
nonstop play for 40 minutes. So um, each half, but I don't want to digress too much into, uh, into rugby. I want to hear more about you. So um, yeah. So what brought you like, so explain your transition. I know you, you used to work for Boeing. Um, yeah. And it's very interesting that you left your job at Boeing to, to focus on strength and conditioning and on his performance. So just tell us a little bit about that, that decision and what led you there. Yeah, definitely. So I was a, an aerospace instructor for Boeing and I really took that job to help me get in front of people a lot more and to really get comfortable with public speaking and to really build that rapport really quick with, with a lot of people. And the decision actually came during COVID. They were doing a lot of furloughs and laying off. And I didn't want to be one of those, one of those people out there that, uh, was relying on that. So I actually launched Excel performance during, during COVID and it was scary as hell, man. I'm not going to sit here and lie. It's one of the, one of those things where you just got to take the leap of faith. And this is when I got under Lee and uh, he really coached me through everything and really started to dial in how or who I wanted to work with. And we landed on uh, middle school and high school athletes because I saw a, a, a gap that needed to be filled, especially during COVID of real training. And when I say real training, it's not just um, online training, it gets a really bad rap. And to really train somebody like they're in front of you is, is a skill, especially if it's online or being recorded. It, it really takes uh, a lot of communication skills with it. And so after leaving Boeing, uh, it was really difficult. Um, we're lucky we had a little bit of money uh, saved up. And from there, we decided to transition from Seattle all the way out here to Virginia Beach just because the weather is what it really seemed to come down to. Uh, Seattle not having a facility during the winter season over there, which is the rainy season, it put a damper on me being able to train in person. I mean, COVID, there was restrictions, but uh, it, it was nothing like the weather. If, if it rained, I didn't have a facility to go into to, to do a speed and agility. We were we were at the, at the mercy of the weather if it, the field was watered out. Sorry, guys, not today. You know, yep. uh, the turf was not usable because the school and COVID rules. So that's the whole reason we moved out this way. Be closer to family and um, the weather, man. And so far, it's it's been nice. I can't complain. Seventies, nice and sunny, little humid. Don't miss that. So all right. <laughs> um, I had a friend who moved from L.A. Pasadena to Virginia, Charlottesville, recently. And um, he was complaining about the change of weather, <laughs> not happy about it, because I guess it's a little bit, a little bit culture shock having seasons versus um, Southern California. But I don't want to digress there. So um, I love the stuff that you do with the reactive tier system. Um, so why don't you just uh, talk about your, your take on the reactive tier system and how you apply that towards um, game situations? Yeah, definitely. So the reactive tier system I got from Lee Taft, um, it's broken down into three sections and or three tiers, and you can really apply it to almost any of the seven movements of speed. The only one that you're going to leave out is for a tier three, and that's going to be for linear, and I'll get there. 
But tier one, it is the athlete knows what the drill is. They know what direction that they're going versus right or left. And they don't know when. So it could be me saying go on a clap, on a whistle, something. And that really starts to get them to react a little bit faster than them doing it on their own or something like that. So if we take a lateral shuffle, tier one, I'm going to be like, hey, Joe, you're going to go right and it's going to be on my clap. And they're going to be, okay. So they get in their ready stance and you say, go and clap and they take off. As soon as they take off two, three steps, they're done. They reset, they come back to it and you can tell them left, they go the opposite direction. So that's tier one. Tier two, we're going to take it a step further. It's along the same concept. So they know what the drill is. They don't know when they're going still, but now they have to react to which direction you tell them to. So if we take the same drill, like a lateral shuffle, you're standing in front of them like, all right, Joe, ready? And you go, go. But you have to point in whatever direction that you're trying to get them to go. Okay. So we'll be standing in front and be like, go and you point, they go. Again, after two, three steps, they come back and they reset. So now they have the reactive uh, audio visual, like you saying go, but now they have to decide and not guess or anticipate. So now they're having to figure out. And so now we're starting to work the tracking skills with it. Then a step further, we're gonna do tier three and think of like a mirror drill. Have you ever done a mirror drill? Yeah. So, um, same concept with it. You're, this is where you don't do your linear stuff because they can only run ahead, right? There's no change. Of right. direction. And that change of direction is really what sets apart tier two and tier three. So they still know what the drill is. They don't know what direction or when they're going, but now we'll do a lateral, a lateral shuffle one person in front of the other, and they have to sit there and track them and not get beat. So now they're going right to left, left to right. And that's what's really getting it more of the game-like speed. So when we first start training, we'll start as a tier one and we'll start to build from there as they start getting closer to in-season or maybe they're in-season already, we can start doing the tier three type work just so they can start to play a little bit better. They're, they're a little bit sharper when they're actually playing on the court or the field. Cool, excellent. Um, so what, what sports do you work with or do you, is it, you're at the point where you'll work with anybody right now? Um, um, since moving to Virginia, I'm kind of at that point. It's, it's a little bit of everybody. Um, but I did just get in with, um, a local sportsplex out over here. It's called, uh, coastal Hampton roads, uh, sportsplex, and they deal a lot with volleyball cool. and baseball and basketball. So those are the three that I actually work with now. I never knew how much fun working with volleyball players actually was. And until I got out here, it's, it's really fun, man. I, they're really competitive and the community out here is huge for it. Sweet. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be moving no risk into a volleyball facility and I'm excited to be working with, uh, with those athletes potentially. Um, you know, I, I, I love the jumping in the plyometric piece and the short, quick stuff. Um, just versus, you know, working with like long distance, like longer runs and like longer sport athletes. So, um, it's probably because I, after like 10, 15 yards, I'm winded myself. So <laughs> it, keeps, it keeps me honest as well. Um, all right. So I, I love the, uh, the training philosophy and, you know, your approach to that. So, um, 
how do, so just to break it down even more let's say we got volleyball players how would you do that tier one with what would you just do shuffling with the volleyball players or how would you do that with like say volleyball um yeah so if i had let's say the entire team right where we have yeah. our liberos our outside hitters our middles yeah i'll do tier one uh with them it's it's really to get them to understand how to move and be in that position so again we can take um let's do let's do our outside hitters and uh, outside or right side hitters we can do what's called a hip turn so tier one you get them right in front of you you're like hey i want you to turn to the right on my clap so boom go and they do the hip turn after two steps they come back reset and this is really what's going to help them get back far enough and quick enough so they can get a better approach so they can get best, basically better kills, right? So they can really get into it and they use a lot more. So when they use that hip turn, they get, they get into that position a lot faster instead of having to a lot of, a lot of players from what I've seen, they, they try to backpedal into it, which is okay. As long as they can get into that position, they're just not getting there as fast or they, they pivot. And when we start talking pivoting, there's a lot of friction in the, in the, in the court, right. Between their, their shoe and the court, there's a lot of friction there. And we're talking hundreds of a second in reality, but the, the, the torque that it can take on the foot and that hundreds of a second can mean a lot because when they get set there, it can miss time the entire ball. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, for liberos, uh, I, I really like uh, the lateral shuffle with them and being able to react back and forth and also getting them to go forward a little bit more. So kind of like a lunge stop because they are having to, to, to get a lot more digs just because where they're at. Plus they're a lot more agile than let's say everybody else on there. That's why they're liberos, right? But um, you can use it with uh, jump training as well. So like the jump training and the mechanics, um, just, just we have to understand that it's not just the, the landing mechanics with it, but with the jump training, we have to understand that they have to have the basics and the foundation first before we can start going into the jump training for the reactive tier system. It's something that we have to progress for it. Now, so your time with the storm, um, the Seattle storm, um, obviously a lot of jumping with the women's NBA. Um, do you see a lot of crossover between that same jump training with the volleyball players and what you're doing yeah. with them? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's a lot of similarities between volleyball and basketball, just in general with the, with the movements. Now, what's going to be changing is the the angle of approach, essentially. So, um, a volleyball player is going to have to create a lot more power at a different angle, so they're they're further this way to get the digs and things like that, versus a basketball player that has to be able to change directions at this level. Um, just ball height and being able to track is is completely different as well. So when basketball players are in their, their their stance, their head is more up and more upright. So they're in this this posture right here. When a volleyball player, their their ready stance is a little bit lower, but their head is is up a little bit more just so they can have their platforms ready uh, to to go in any direction essentially. So gotcha, the gotcha. posture is really big on it. Um, change of direction, jumping, really super similar. I'd probably train um, a basketball player and a volleyball player almost identically, depending on the positions and stuff that they play. Now, so um, 
looking at the volleyball players, middle, middle school, uh, high school age athletes. Now, obviously with the storm female athletes, uh, females have a greater um, dispensity to um, ACL injuries. Yeah. I'm sure you saw some athletes there who had ACL injuries or recovering from ACL injuries. Um, athletes that you see now, one of the things I'm seeing more so now in both younger male and female athletes is they have no body control whatsoever. They have valgus knees wherever they move. Um, are you seeing that too? I don't, I don't know if it's geographical, um, nice. you know, but I am seeing like more and more. So now um, males in ages 11 to 13, where I wouldn't see it say 10 years ago, mm -hmm. I'm now seeing a lot more valgus knees, the inability to drive the knees out and the knees being in that like precarious situation where like, as they mature, like, oof, like they, they're, they're got potential knee injury uh, <laughs> yeah. in the future. You know, and it, it's funny you say that because 10 years ago, we really didn't have this problem, right? And I've only been in the industry for about six now, but growing up as an athlete, it, there was a lot more free play scrimmages and really going out and just playing. And now that actually is way less. And I think I had a talk about this with, with Lee that it really comes down to really exploring how the body moves and understanding it. You know, when the younger we are, the, the more we are sitting there discovering how to jump, how to land, how to take off and, and stop. And with so many sports now, they are making it really super specific at a too young of an age. So I'm a big believer of the long-term athletic development model. And that's one thing that I, that I tell all parents is stop being so specific so soon. You're only hurting your athletes. Um, it's, it's one of those things that each sport has its own demand. And so the more sports you can play, the better athlete you're going to be. And the better athlete you, you can be, you can, you're, you're, it's your coach's job to make you a better volleyball player, basketball player, football, rugby, doesn't matter. Yeah, my best rugby players. So I coached out of high school for 10 years. And when lacrosse cuts were made, um, I looked at the list and then I got some of the best lacrosse, the, the kids who got cut had poor lacrosse skills, but they had great athletic ability. And some of the best players that ever played for me that went on to college and beyond and had really successful rugby careers were um, the lacrosse players who were athletes, but didn't have the lacrosse stick stills. Mm -hmm. um, it was a multitude of them. Um, them and wrestlers um, were my two favorite, like um, rugby recruits because, you know, where we live um, rugby is not something that they're born playing. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm going through the same thing. Like my, my son no, um, is eight. And he has only played rec soccer. And this is the first season he's playing any type of competitive. He was asked to play, but he just trains. And he played lacrosse. He played basketball. No, he didn't play lacrosse. I'm sorry. He played basketball. He trained at the gym. He's done a lot of like the performance stuff with me. Um, and he's played very little soccer on a team, but yet he's a really good player. And he's being asked to play more and more advanced teams. And, um, his mom's like, oh, maybe we should consider this. And I'm like, nope. Like, you know, like he's good. He can play now, but like, I want him to either train. I want him to play another. I want him to play more basketball. Maybe he can play a different sport, but like, I want to like limit the amount of soccer he plays now because he's, 
you know, he, he's one, one of the better players on the field now playing minimal soccer mm-hmm. compared to everybody else. Like it's okay. Like he's eight years old, like, you know, yeah. um, so, you know, and I, and I'm a firm believer in the long-term athletic development, but I think, think there's so much pressure on parents to that, you know, like, Oh, my kid's going to get left out and not, and then whenever there's an off season, instead of bringing their kids to train in a facility and learn how to move better, you know, they just let their, they don't, they, they like make their kid go in the backyard and play soccer or, or who knows what they do or do nothing. Right. Um, but that training piece is, is essential just for body mechanics, you know, like, um, you know, I, I see so many kids with just inability to control their bodies with jumping or landing mechanics. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like, Eek, like you know like I, <laughs> I'm like physical therapists and orthopedic surgeons 10 years from now are going to have a field day with these kids because there's going to be tons of injuries if these kids continue to play especially with um the amount of video games kids play these days in terms of yeah. like their downtime is playing video games and sitting in this hunch position you know um and I'm at least trying to get some of the kids to do uh, clamshell exercises with a minivan while they play those video games, just to like oh, that <laughs> to train the hip ad- abductors, um, you know, so that their you know knees won't be so valgus. But um, I digress. All right, so um, some I believe that um, knowledge is power, and one of the best ways to acquire knowledge is through reading. Um, if you had to recommend only one book. All right. And it could be a book for life. It could be a book for training. It could be a book um, business or whatever. Um, what book would it be and why? So hard to choose from so many books, man. Um, I wasn't a big reader until last year. I made myself a goal of reading one book a month. Okay. And, uh, I hit that you goal. You got 12 to choose from. What's up? You got 12 to choose from. Which was your favorite of the 12? I actually have 14. I, I exceeded my goal. Um, <laughs> awesome. But I think the one that, that helped me the most was, uh, it's called Never Eat Alone by Keith Ferrazzi. Okay. It is about communicating, um, just being able to reach out. And especially now with, with COVID, the, the human piece or the human element is really lost. Like the interaction, it's all zoom now, FaceTime, Instagram, all that. And this book really helps to dial that back in. And it really gets you to connect with people on a genuine level, not just reach out and make it a transactional, uh, uh, interaction, if you will. So if I hit you up and I'd be like, Hey, Joda, this is what I can do for you, blah, blah, blah. You're probably not going to respond to me whatsoever. Yeah. But if I reach out and I was like, hey, dude, I really like what you're doing. Uh, Keep up what you're doing with your athletes. Love it. Like you're probably going to respond back because I'm being genuine. And it it really just solidifies how the the digital age is starting to go. And again, that human element is starting to be lost more and more with more generations that we actually have that on my list um, because. I asked for book recommendations in one of the farms that we share together. I'm one of Lee's yeah. farms, and you recommended it. I bought it. I'm reading one, the one that Lee recommended. And I have that one to finish right next. I'm trying to set a goal, 10 pages a day at minimum, um, just because I've been slacking with and finding, you know, like it's very easy myself to get like um, to distracted by my phone or something else that's, not productive. So I, I've been setting small goals like that for myself. Um, 
All right. So another thing, just uh, knowledge, you know, like just things that I like to ask. Um, what's your favorite quote? You know, it can be personal, inspirational, motivational, or otherwise. What, what? Um... I've already got it in my head, man. Yeah. Uh, best quote. And this can be training. It can be just life in general. But some people don't see what you bring to the table until they see you in action at another table. And that can be on so many levels. It, it basically just I like that. Down. It, it, it basically just breaks down. Just keep doing what you're doing. People will help you if they can, or if they want to some, if not most won't because it, it doesn't benefit them. Right. There's a, is there's that a yours whole, or did you get that from someone else? You- uh, got it from uh, Luca Hosevar. He, he posted it and I, I saw it and I absolutely loved it. And I, I, I have no idea who it's from. Who okay. said it? it's, it's all anonymous. And it's just say it again. It's some people don't see what you bring to the table until they see you in action at another table. I like that. That's solid. Yeah. I love it, man. And like I said, just keep doing you. Uh, there's a lot of people that there's, there's a, um, an acronym it's called with them, right? What's in it for me. A lot of people are like that. And, uh, I used to be, when I first started, I was always reaching out, trying to figure out how others can benefit me. And then when I met a few of my mentors like Lee and Tim Vagan, it, it really shifted my mindset as to how can I help others? Right. And you know, that kind of goes into one of my philosophies of being able to share the knowledge and the experiences that I have to others that didn't have that. Cause me and you have different experiences yep. and we can learn from each other and just expand that to, to everybody, you know, everybody you come in contact with, you can learn something from them. So cool. All right. Now, um, as we wind up a couple of, you know, um, so if you could step in my shoes, what's one question you would have asked yourself that I didn't ask or what topic that you would have wanted me to bring up, um, that I didn't. Um, what is most people's misconception about speed training? Okay. So what is people's, I have a misconception about speed training. Yeah. I have a huge quarrel with it. Um, you, I'm sure you've seen it on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. There's a lot of speed coaches out there that work all on footwork and they're calling that speed training. Now, is it good for fast feet? Yes. Is it good for rhythm, developing coordination? Yes. Good for balance? Absolutely. But is it getting your athlete faster on the field or court? Probably not. And that's what I have a big issue with, with speed coaches out there. And that's all they do. And there's a lot of parents and coaches that, that fall under, fall into that because they don't know what they don't know. They have no idea. They see a thousand likes on, on a a video and, you know, 15,000 followers. They're thinking, oh, that's good. You know, being in this for, for a while now, it's, it, it, it makes me mad more than anything, just seeing, right. and, you know, if, if we can educate more on getting speed out there and actually having to sprint and change directions and landing mechanics and jumping mechanics, then, you know, we're going to have a lot better athletes in the long run. Right. 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 Less razzle dazzle, more substance. Yeah. And I'm not saying don't 
have the razzle dazzle because the athletes love it. It's fun. Right. Definitely. You know, you know but, trying to mix it up, but focus on the fundamentals and then, you know, sprinkle in some razzle dazzle. Yeah. Uh, throw it in for a warm up. you know, activate the CNS a little bit more. Or so I call them gym. So it's like, you know, you look at a Sunday, right? You, you, you give them ice cream. The razzle dazzles, the sprinkles. Yeah. Right? The fundamentals is like the ice cream and the whipped cream. And then, you know, it's you're yes, not eating a bowl of sprinkles, <laughs> right? You're eating a bowl of ice cream with some sprinkles. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. I, I kind of, I, I take, I think we're very similar in our approach. It's probably because we're both, um, you know, we both are, um, you know, students of Lee. Um, yeah. So, um, and we, we get that. So, all right. So um, what's the number one takeaway that you want the audience to absorb? To be honest with you, man, um, the kids need to have fun. They need to not lose that love of the game. Because when we start doing more of the sports specific stuff at a younger age, they, they tend to lose that passion after a while. And if we can get them to play as many sports as possible growing up, I think that should be the number one takeaway from everything. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny because like um, I ran a clinic with even with older kids. Right. And they, you know, they, they're lacrosse players. And, you know, I'm like just to warm them up. I have them play lumberjacks and farmers with yeah. cones. And it's just seeing them like, and these are like eight, you know, eighth, ninth graders and like seeing how much fun they had playing that, like, it's a silly game. It's awesome. You know, you're running and changing direction and like, um, but just seeing how much fun they had by just changing the dynamic from like training to like using a game um, is, you know, it's, you know, it's refreshing, you know, it makes you remember that like they're, they're kids still. And like, I think a lot of coaches forget that they're dealing with kids And that, you know, and that's all about train, train, train. And what's the end goal? Whereas it's like, yeah, like this, like everything's going to be fun and like make the training fun. So, um, yeah, no, kind of just a big back off of that would be uh, Nerf Wars, man. Um, You get uh, 10, 15 Nerf guns and have them go at it. Just let them play. Or you can play tag with one gun and they're sitting there trying to shoot each other. Obviously, there's got to be like boundaries and things (laughs) in the eye. But it, it, I mean, I play with, with the kids, you know, and I'm 34 and I still have a lot of fun with it. I'm not changing directions like I used to, but you know, it's still fun to get out there. And like you said, changing the dynamics, it just makes everything so much easier. Yeah. When you ask if I play the mirror game, normally I'm the mirror. So like I, I, and I have a group of kids line up and they try to do me and I'm 46 so I'm, I'm a few paces even slower than you. So, um, I, and it's amazing what Lee can do. Um, you know, yeah, cause he still moves really well years on me and man, that guy can move. Um, all right. So where can our connectors, where can our listeners connect with you online? Um, what's your Instagram, um, Facebook email. Yeah. LinkedIn, um, you know, Snapchat, TikTok. Uh, <laughs> I'm not on TikTok, man. That's, <laughs> that's way, way down there. All right. Um, but Instagram, uh, it's James the F trainer with underscores underneath each one. Uh, Facebook, uh, you can find me at Excel Performance and it's X C E L Performance. Uh, same as the online website. I'm starting to come out with a high school development uh program. So online training, stuff like that, which should launch probably in the next three weeks so i'm super excited with that cool all right cool james thanks very much so we just spoke with james luhan excel performance in virginia beach and uh 
James, thanks for taking the time to talk. And we will uh, next week. Well, I'll I'll be continuing to talk to you on the uh, on the mentor program. Um, yeah. But then for listeners of the podcast, we'll be back in about two weeks. Uh, thanks. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Norris Sports Performance Podcast. Be sure to hit the like and subscribe button, as well as checking out the show notes for more information on our guests. You can find us on Instagram at Norris Sports Performance. Until next time, I'm your host, Judah Boulay, reminding you to train smart and recover smarter.